Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Hey everyone, my name is Nathan Siegel. I'm here with my colleague Hamish, based in out of Australia, and we are The Thought Hackers. With us today is a woman by the name of Irene Gablenick. She is an author, blogger, realtor, mother, and a longtime health and fitness fanatic. She is best known for her parenting blog and creating Fit for Sanity to help busy moms and entrepreneurs live a happier and healthier lifestyle. She enjoys volunteering and was a member of the Disaster Action Team with the American Red Cross for four years. She mentored a refugee through the Priscilla Project and currently educates the public about giving blood and being an organ donor through an organization called UNITS, U-N-Y-T-S. She recently published her first book, Zipping It Up, How to Lose Five Pounds Fast and Look Great in That Little Black Dress. She is currently writing a book about growing up with a bipolar parent. Irene, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hi, Nathan. Thank you so much. And hi, Hamish. Hi, it's great hi, to Ryan. be here. Welcome. Yeah, it's nice to have you. So, of course, we we were talking a little bit earlier about the, the bipolar parent, and I'm curious as to what growing up with that parent was like, how it affected your life. Um, thank you, Nathan. It's a that's a very it's a it's a tricky question. No um, doubt. It's, hard, it's a hard one to answer, but um, I'll try to be as honest and and genuine as I can. Um, it was difficult. It was difficult. But when I when I look at the past and I think about you know who I am today because of what I experienced, um, it certainly made me a very strong, independent person. Um, she had bouts of depression, which lasted for a very long time, where um, as young children, we were left to fend for ourselves. Um, I started cooking, cleaning, doing my own laundry at a very young age, and have just always been very independent because of that. Um, and of course, her her upswings were were always fabulous because... It was exciting to have mom back when she was happy and when she was singing and cooking and shopping. And But it was a very, very unstable um, childhood. I'm just thinking about that word bipolar. Uh, the other, the old phrase perhaps for it was manic depressive. Is that correct? It is correct. And um, it's it's kind of sad because when... Before manic depression was even um, a term, there really was no diagnosis for it. And she had gone to see a couple of doctors knowing that something was wrong. And my dad strongly encouraged her to seek help because he knew something was wrong. But they really had no diagnosis for her. They did offer her various medications, which she refused to take. And I think she made the right decision since they really were kind of blindly um, trying to diagnose her. And I, I didn't, she was never officially diagnosed. And how I, how I discovered um, her disease was actually after she died. And my sister and I were watching a movie and I wish I could remember the name of the actress, but it was a, it was based on a true story of a famous person who who was who had 
bipolar disorder. And I think they called it manic depression at the time they did. And we were watching this movie and we thought, wow, that was mom. And that was really how we knew what it was. So she really was never officially diagnosed. And since I've read so much about it since and learned about the bipolar disorder, um, it just validates that that is what she had. I'd be very interested to find out what that movie is because I'd like to watch it for my my own interest. I do want to learn more about what what those personality traits were like with your mother. Like, what could you expect when she was manic, and what could you expect when she was in this depressive state? Wow, Nathan, that's really interesting. Um, well, um, I have to just say very frankly, and it's hard for me to to admit that this happened, but um, she would spend weeks sleeping on the couch where she she didn't bathe. She wouldn't communicate with us. Um, it was very sad. And I have a I have a little story, um, if you don't mind my sharing. Mm. Um, it was my eighth grade graduation and my dad couldn't get off of work because he worked at a he was a welder at a steel factory and he he couldn't afford to miss work. Um, my my siblings had school. Most of my half siblings were you know grown and out of the house. And I had gotten the highest average of it was kind of like the valedictorian of the eighth grade. And um, I was going to be getting all of these awards. And I was so sad because no one was going to come watch me. Mm. And I begged her I begged her I said please mom please come come see me you know you don't have anything else to do and she's like just she wouldn't even talk to me she just I think kind of buried her head and I don't know where she found the strength but when I went up on that stage and I looked into the audience she had a pretty blue dress on she and a camera she had stopped and bought film and she had a big smile on her face, talked to all of my teachers, and I don't know where she mustered the strength to to show up for me, but um, it was that type of how quickly she could switch from such an incredibly depressed state to such a manic state that was, you know, kind of alarming. But no doubt. I, but I would, but I was used to this. I would go to school in the morning, and not come and come home not knowing if there would be food on the table or, you know, or, or anything like that, or if I'd have to scrounge for myself. And some days I'd come home and the whole house would smell great. And she'd gone shopping and she bought wallpaper and one one wall was wallpapered. I'm like, well, how did she do all this in a matter of a few hours? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Typically, she would fall back into her state before she would do every wall. So it was kind of even chaotic where we would have different types of wallpaper in one room. Um, so it was just that that whole type. And this was, you know, pretty much my whole childhood, just growing up with that inconsistency. Okay, so I'm really curious. Um, this manic and the depressive state... Uh, did it sometimes manifest with her just sitting in a chair and just rocking back and forth for like an hour or two at a time or more on a daily basis? Or would she just be manic in this high state for days or weeks and then falling into the depressive side? 
Um, from what I can remember, I remember her being in the depressive side more often than she was manic. And for her, it wasn't in a chair. It was the couch. That was her mm. hiding spot. It was where she would kind of curl up and... Um, and stay and sleep and just stay. And she would even kind of get up in the middle of the night when everyone was sleeping to eat something. Like she wouldn't, she, she really didn't want to interact when she was in that, that depressed state. Um, I do remember her, if she knew that I was upset about something, she would try to comfort me by singing. Hmm. Which was confusing because I would think, well, why is she happy when she knows that I'm sad? But it took me a long time to realize, and I don't even think actually I realized it until I became a mother. And it's amazing what you realize when you become a mother and how much you appreciate your parents and what they do for you Mm -hmm. and the way that they comfort you. And I realized that she was trying to comfort me because when you're you know when a child is hurt you sing you know you rock and you sing so it was just it was just very confusing sometimes i can i can imagine easily um i'm just trying to get a better handle on what this depressive state would be like like how long would it go on for like you were saying that she tended to be more in that depressive state than not so were there particular times of the day when it would manifest or were there particular triggers that would cause it to happen or to switch from that to the, the manic state? That's that's interesting, Nathan. And I, I wish I had those answers for you, but I honestly okay. I honestly don't. Um, I do know that she always loved the holidays and I think that I remember more holidays where she was manic because she would get excited about the holidays coming up. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not really sure what triggered the for the depression, but I do know that um, her having maybe happy memories or looking forward to something like the holidays would would cheer her up. Not always, not every holiday. I remember I remember both. Um, and especially Christmas. Christmas was always and has been now for me a very, very difficult time of year because she she ended up dying um, the week before Christmas and New Year's. But three years prior to that, she became very, very ill. She was depressed and she was diabetic and she wasn't taking her medication and I had moved out at this point. I was very young. I quit high school, got a job, and got my own apartment because I couldn't really deal with the situation. And yeah. <clears throat> my dad called me and said, um, you know, Irene, your mom is really sick. Please come now. And uh, we ended up calling an ambulance, and she had gangrene. Oh, my gosh. So they amputated her leg um, below the knee. And they gave her antibiotics, and we spent the entire night, Christmas Eve night, in the ICU waiting room, waiting for for her to see how everything went. And when the doctor, the surgeon, came out and told us that they had done everything they could and that she wouldn't make it through the night. So we all said our tearful goodbyes, and uh, miraculously, miraculously, my toughest nails mother pulled through. She had she had a fighting spirit. 
she had a fighting spirit. There's no question. Um, I can kind of theorize. She was she was a victim of World War II. She mm-hmm. was 17, 16. She was 16 years old when she was taken from her home in Ukraine on a train to Germany and forced to work in a laundry camp and never saw her family ever again. She ended up marrying a Ukrainian German soldier because the German soldiers, the Ukrainians were, you know, fought for the Russians. And when Germany invaded Russia, they they went to the other side. It was pretty much fight or die. I mean, it's a very, you know, difficult situation. She married a man 20 years older than her. And she told me this personally. She only married him so that she could move to the military quarters because it was a better um, better environment than being in the laundry camp. And he was smitten with her and she, you know, she did everything she could to survive. And just get through get through the war so i often wonder if it wasn't so much um you know a, a chemical imbalance type of thing but but a post traumatic stress disorder situation it could, e- it could easily be both it's hard to say hamish i'd yeah. really <clears throat> love your input on this well, i'm going to take it in a different direction now that you're talking irene about your mother passing away and yourself moving out of home I'd like to sort of hear the journey of yourself a bit more. The, the, you know, you, Me too. You moved out <laughs> because you couldn't deal with the situation, you said. And sort of how it affected you living with your mother uh, being bipolar um, and the, the, the places that you, it took you to, whether that be depression, anxi- anxiety, whatever it is, and how you moved through that. Hamish, that is that is an excellent question, and thank you for asking. I'd be happy to share share my my story. Um, I I got my first job at a hot dog cart, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I I what been, age was that? In, I was seventeen. Seventeen. Well, I had, I had actually I'd had many jobs before that. I um I had my first job was a paper route when I was ten. I wasn't even old enough to my I had <laughs> to share a route with my sister, <laughs> so I was working before I was legally old enough to work. Um, I babysat. I had many jobs, but yeah. this was the first one where I could afford to have my own apartment. And I quickly became, as soon as I turned 18, I was old enough to serve alcohol. So then I went into waitressing and bartending as I put myself through college. I was, um, I was able to, you know, support myself and put myself through school. I graduated with a bachelor's degree, a bachelor of science in business. Um, and I, I've always been a runner. I started running in... Uh, high school when I was a freshman in um, in high school and I was always very studious always a straight-a student and um, I I healed myself through exercise mm-hmm. I believe and I've mm-hmm. always been kind of a health fanatic I have stacks of different health magazines around the house and have since I was a teenager always hoarding magazines and reading every health <laughs> health news I can find um, so it's just kind of been a hobby for me, and I've been an avid runner ever since. And I, I that that first job um, was my very first sales job. I call it because 
I got bumped. I was on, you know, the new girl corner and my sales skyrocketed beyond the the top producing corner. So so they moved me. Um, You know, some say it was my legs, but you know, it wasn't. It was my, it was my personality and my sales skills, I I believe. (laughs) That people came back to me because they liked talking to me every day. And I had, I had regular customers who would come by and order and run to the gym and like, oh, I have two burnt dogs for me when I get out. And so I always kind of had a knack for sales and I ended up going into outside sales. I sold medical equipment for a long time and I've been for the past nine years a realtor before I started my my blog and really um, getting involved with writing and trying to follow my passions um, of health and fitness and writing and, and just really helping others. Um, so that's sort of my yeah. story in a nutshell, but it's why... Um, It's why I created my newsletter, which is called Fit for Sanity. Mm -hmm. And my whole whole idea, and and I kind of, I don't take mental illness lightly, but I do feel I've earned the right to use it to help others. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have a question about it. Like, when you were still at home, you were dealing with all these problems to do with your mother. Like, how did you cope on a daily basis? Or And, and more importantly, like, what was it that got you to a, a, I would imagine there was some sort of turning point. And I'm very curious as to what that would have been. Well, um, that is that is a really good question, Nathan, because without a doubt, there was a turning point, And that was when my sister moved out of the house. Um, my sister and I, I was the youngest. So I was the baby. My mom had four kids with her first husband, and then she um, she had my the middle the middle son who was raised with me, and then my dad had my sister and myself. So she's my only whole blood sister. We were eighteen months apart and really really close um, all of our lives. And she um, when she the day she turned eighteen she moved out of the house because no one could stop her at that point. That's an interesting statement. Nobody could stop her? Well, my mother didn't want me to move out. And was she, she threw a huge ruckus and told me that I couldn't move out and there was nothing stopping me. I mean, I had my friend come over, we loaded the truck, I took all of my things. My dad was kind of sad and worried, but he understood that I needed to do, you know, what I needed to do for my, you know, for my well-being and um, it just got it got more difficult, and these oh. some of um, these are some of the things I'm sharing in my book that I'm mm-hmm. writing. Um, it's really hard for me to talk about. Um, uh, how can I I I I. I I don't even know how to explain it. She became more, I almost became more of a, she could be mean sometimes. She had kind of a mean streak and I don't, I I don't even, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nathan. I don't want to talk about it. It's okay. But it is, I did write it out. And when I write, I, I, I cry when I remember these stories, but I, um, it's healing. It's healing for me. But it's been very difficult to write. And I just started putting all of this on paper uh, only a few months ago. And I'm really taking my time with it because 
I really, I really believe that there are a lot of people out there who can benefit from reading my story and whether they can relate or whether they can just, um, I don't know, let me put it this way. Sometimes when I watch a kind of a, a sad movie and I cry, sometimes when you, you keel through other people's stories, do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. That's that's what we're all about. That's it's what you do. <laughs> sure. We, we, we help say. people like you tell their stories. And the hope of it, the aim of it, is that by something, whatever it is in your story, if somebody hears that, it may help them heal something uh, very important to them. It's like when I asked you about the turning point, that the turning point is is key to our audience. The turning point is what, it's the meat of it, if you will. And quite often when people hear that, to you it may not seem important, but to somebody else it could change their entire outlook. And that's why it's so valuable. This is one of the reasons why we do this show. Nathan, you're uh, so right. You're so right about that. And it was when I moved out, I felt in control. I paid my own bills, I had my own apartment, um, and I felt in control of my life. And I think that was a huge part of the healing. Agreed. Agreed. I think, think just listening to the way you're talking about uh, this experience, Irene, and even writing it and sharing it with people to benefit, I think there's going to be someone who is equally going to benefit from it uh, in a very big way. Uh, I think that's you, just by you know the way your your emotion sharing it, talking about it, and that you're actually writing it and sharing it with other people. I think that journey is going to help you and benefit you a lot as well. Thank you, Hamish. Thank you. I I really hope so. You, you, you're obviously to to be able to write what you're writing is you know you need to be able to to go to places where there's probably been a lot of pain you haven't been before and to. And to take yourself on that journey to bring it out, I think is going to help you. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting for you. It uh, is, and and it's funny that you um, that you mention that because when I was listening to another one of your podcasts about um, PTSD with Danita Stevens, yes, it really um, it really hit home for me and I think back and especially over the past few months as I'm rehashing a lot of these memories and it's almost like something will trigger a memory and then I have to get I have to get to anything a pen and paper my computer my phone anywhere that I can write write it down and then I can just uh, it flows Mm. it just flows the whole feeling the experience um, so it really is interesting how different experiences in your life trigger those memories and bring on that that post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. effect. It, it could. The other very important thing is, as by writing things out, and you may or may not realize this yet, is you take what's in your head, which m- might seem rather chaotic, but when you write it down, it becomes clear. It becomes it becomes black and white. When you take it out of your mind, quite often putting it on paper can help create a lot of clarity. 
Because it's, it, when it's banging around on your head, you think you understand a whole bunch of stuff, but when you write it down, you see it on paper and go, oh, I didn't know that. Mm. And you might discover that in the process of writing that some of the answers that you've been looking for, you actually have them, but until you write it down, you won't realize it. And then all of a sudden, you'll write it down and go, oh, so that's what it was. That's really interesting, Nathan. I, I really don't think I had thought about it that way, so thank you. You're welcome. I just want to hear a bit more about just uh, sort of bringing the energy up of this a little bit and just helping our listeners understand a bit too the importance of what you're doing with the um, the healthy eating, the exercise, and, and getting the physical part of your body because even if, if there's so much stuff going on in your mind, just by getting your your body right and healthy can make a big shift in there as well with the, the connection of it all. So what is it that you're actually doing with people with that? Is it, Are you working with people to help them get fit and healthy? Well, Hamish, um, that's a that's a great question. Um, I this is a new adventure for me, yep. a new a new a new project, a new a new challenge that I've created for myself. Um, I I only started my blog less than a year ago, yep. and I started it as a parenting blog. And when I first thought about where I was going to go with it, I didn't want to um, open up about my parent being yes. bipolar but as i as i i get better with writing each and every day and as i've been doing these guest appearances on podcasts and radio shows and live streams i find myself feeling more comfortable talking about it and sharing it with others um, but my main focus has been, and well, it, it honestly, it just kind of evolved into this health and fitness blog because I write about what I do. And because I, this is part of my life. This is what I do every day. The first mm -hmm. thing I do in the morning, I can't wait to, to go to, get on my I'm on my phone and read my health and fitness news. I subscribe to all these different um websites and, and magazines, online magazines and newsletters. And I just love to read about, you know, the latest trends and different workouts and different different things like that. And then I, I try to work out every single day. And with starting my own business and with publishing my first book, you know, I was under, you know, a lot of pressure to get that done because of goals I had set for myself. And then the holidays were very sad, and this my stress level was very very high. Um, and how what I find is the thing that helps me feel better every time, every single time, is when I exercise. Mm -hmm. I don't even need to break a sweat, even if I'm very rushed and I only have ten minutes. If I go for a ten minute run and get some fresh air. Even if it's a walk and I clear my head and I just feel 10 times better. Yep. So what I've been doing and what I've over the years, just being a busy mom and being a realtor and now starting my own business, is I have found ways to squeeze in exercise even on very, very busy days. And it's through doing those short intervals, maybe 10 minutes in the morning, I'll get up a little bit earlier, 10 minutes during a quick break. Um, maybe I'll pop something in the oven uh, and I'll run and throw in like a DVD or a um, go on YouTube and do a 10-minute you know, arm and abdominal exercise. 
And what I'm teaching others is how to make sure you get that exercise in every day. Yep. Because that, that, mm-hmm. in, that in itself can be very distracting and take you away from the thinking that you're having going on that you don't want. And then to, to shift into, I need to exercise and what I'm going to do, it'll just totally take you away from where you don't want to be to... It's it's actually it's actually reminiscent of some of the other strategies that some different entrepreneurs use, which is napping. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually some of the advice I got from my father as an entrepreneur was saying to me, you know, you will sometimes work to the point where you're no longer effective. And he said, when that happens, he said, I recommend you uh, go for a walk, take a short nap, um, grab a coffee, whatever it is. It was really good advice. So, and your variation is the exercise. Absolutely, Nathan. Well, I nap too. (laughs) I am a napper. I I, have been a napper my whole life. Even when I, my first sales job, and I was out, you know, pounding the pavement and driving all over, cold calling, I would go home during my lunch and take a power nap. Yep. And you're so right, Nathan. It's like it's like you're you're refreshed. It's like morning (laughs) again. So long as you don't nap too long. But yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. You have a really good point there, Hamish. Very, very good point. <laughs> very good point. Yeah, yeah. So it's different things like that. And then also eating healthier. And when you're eating healthier and you feel good about yourself and you lose a few pounds, you're just, you know, your clothes are fit a little bit more loosely, you feel good about yourself. It helps your self-esteem. It helps your overall attitude. It helps how you interact with others. I mean, not even to mention just the longer lifespan and, you know, not having health issues, but just for your every everyday um, stress relief and overall um, well-being, it's just so, so important. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. So for people who want to learn more about you and what you do, how would they find you? Well, um, my website, which is my blog, is www.irenegablenick.com, I-R-E-N-E-G-A-B-E-L-N-I-C-K.com. And if you go to my website, I am offering a free copy of my monthly newsletter called Fit for Sanity, because we all know life can be a little bit crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sometimes more than not. Yeah, and I share one of my favorite hearty, healthy soup recipes, um, which whenever I want to drop a couple pounds quickly or I just want to eat healthy or I'm fighting a cold, I make a big pot of this soup. I have a couple other recipes in there as well. I share ways to squeeze in exercise on busy days and ways to motivate how uh, yourself to exercise. Um, so there's some really great um, health tips there. And also, if you get on my, join my email list, I send out daily emails with motivation tips, too. Good. Nice. Excellent. Nice. We'll, yeah. get all, we'll get all those links for people to connect to them. Thank you. And then there's my book, my book. If you um, if you're looking to just you know lose five pounds, if you have a vacation coming up, I know a lot of people escape um, to the warm weather this time of year. Or if you have a function and you just want to you know look good in that little tight little black dress, um, <laughs> I share how I do it, 
how I lose five pounds fast when I'm just trying to get ready for an event or a vacation. Um, but mm-hmm. then I also share tips on how to keep it off and how to just maintain a healthy lifestyle. Okay. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for sharing with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Likewise. So for those of you who have been listening, our guest today has been Irene Gableneck. My name is Nathan Siegel. My colleague is Hamish Baston out of Australia. And we are the Thought Hackers. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thought Hackers. And regardless of where you are on your journey, whether you would like to be a guest and share your story, or if you are still living with pain each day, please get in touch and we will help you where we can. Simply send an email to hamish at thethoughthackers.com.